Um, New Year's Eve, we had a watch night service. Um, it was an opportunity for people to testify, talk about their sort of story for the previous year. Um, I have got a bit of a story for last year. Um, a bit of a chicken. I don't very often come up to the stands. In fact, this is the first time in about 20 years. Um, prompted me a couple of weeks ago, or Joe did a, a preach a few weeks ago, um, which prompted me. And actually, Carol brought a word a couple of weeks ago about bacon sandwiches, which is, I'll fill you in that bit later. Um, beginning of last year, we had a tough time. Um, I'd lost my dad towards the end of 2022, and actually my mum was in a very poor state, and we were doing quite a lot of prayer for healing, and I was finding it really difficult, because actually my prayers for my mum was not for healing. Um, so I found that a challenge, and actually I spoke to Martin about it, and actually he said, there's nothing wrong with praying that actually for God to take my mum away. Um, a couple of weeks later, that's what happened, and it was an answer to prayer. Um, time went on, I had a, for my birthday, I had a very interesting present, I had a bowel cancer screening kit, um, which I did, came back and I needed further work. Doesn't mean you got cancer, about a one in ten chance. Um, booked in for a colonoscopy, um, fine, Sunday morning, you may remember April last year, you had bacon sandwiches once morning, one morning. Some of you might remember, I was cooking those, um, wasn't feeling great, was having a heart attack. Um, if you're going to have a heart attack, having it in church is not a bad place, <laughs> particularly if the keyboard player that week is a doctor. Um, so, very lucky that Katie was here, sent me to hospital. Um, even by that evening, it was quite staggering, the number of people that knew that something was wrong. We have a WhatsApp group called The Well, um, and it appeared on that, seems almost instantly. So there was prayers going out straight away. The treatment for the heart attack went fine. Um, carried on having a bit more pain. Um, we have a nurse that lives around the corner of the world in the cardiac unit, and she sort of persuaded me back to the hospital. Um, while in the hospital, to have another heart procedure, um, Blood tests came back that showed that there was something else was wrong. And it was at that point I was diagnosed or suspected of having cancer. Um, Martin came to visit me a couple of times in hospital, or in hospital and at home. And actually one of his prayers, it was actually, you have to remember God is in this. I found that quite difficult to take. Um, I was absolutely overwhelmed by the number of people that had been praying for me um, through the whole of this. And I must admit, there were times when I thought, does God get a bit fed up with all these prayers? Because um, there's an awful lot of people praying for me all at the same time. And he must get... I know he listens to every prayer, but does he get fed up? Jonathan Moore gave a preach one Sunday, and it was actually about persistent prayer. And this was about the same time, and I thought, that was quite a good preach. Um, so it was a good one. Um, I had a colonoscopy, it confirmed I'd got a bowel cancer. Um, I then had some, probably the worst, one of the worst bits of the summer, two, <laughs> was actually having to go for a scan to find out if I'd got secondaries. So we had lots of prayer for that, went for a scan. Had to wait a very long time for the results, it felt like. Um, but it came back that there was nothing else, it was just the one cancer. Um, which was a definite answer to prayer. 
Um, one of the most difficult things of last summer, we couldn't do New Day. Um, if it had just been the heart, we would probably missed it. Um, been other, other problems, other issues as well, decided New Day would have to, have to give a miss. Um, that was difficult. Um, Vic still managed to go for the setup. We actually did go for the day. She also went to the set down. Um, so we did sort of join in a little bit. And we got various updates from Hermione because she was obviously serving there. One of the things that really struck me is actually on the Monday that all the kids go, um, Candy came round with flowers. Just to say, this must be really difficult because we know how much you love serving at New Day and you're not going. We've had lots of, lots of people that have come unexpectedly. There are people in this church who we know are sort of prayer warriors. What really hit me was actually the numbers of people that I only know a little bit. They know me, I'm happiest on projection. Um, I see the back of people's heads more than I see the front of people's heads. Um, it was that that really hit me really hard. Um, it was most overwhelming. Um, people like Rowlands, who I say hello to, came round after church one Sunday morning to see how I was. Um, New Day, they have a prayer evening. And I know that the youth on the Thursday prayed for me. This was about a week before my operation. Um, so I had operation. Operation went well. Um, later on in the year, had a, a prayer. There was a prayer evening, and actually Brian asked if anything to pray for, and we, and we said actually the following day I was actually had a meeting with the oncologist to discuss chemotherapy, um, and also I was also planning to sort of try to get back to work. Um, but we went to the prayer evening and people prayed. But there was actually somebody prayed something that was quite. Um, I, at the time, I thought, well, that's not going to happen, um, which was Sharon Atkinson. She actually prayed that everything would go absolutely fine at the oncologist and there'd be no issues. We had a meeting the, with the doctor, myself and Vic, the following morning, and the oncologist, but there was a couple of sort of bad things. They said, the type of cancer I have doesn't respond very well to chemotherapy. Um, with my heart as it was at the time, it would probably kill me, the chemotherapy. The good news is I don't need chemotherapy. Um, <laughs> The tumour the, the had been removed, the bowel had been removed, they took out 29 lymph nodes, everything was clear. And it was, you don't need chemotherapy. Well, the night before, I was thinking, oh, that's a dreadful prayer, that's never going to happen. Um, but it did. It was, it, was an, it was a huge answer to prayer. Um, it's those days, I've not shared one of the things. Over the last summer, actually, Joe Hearn brought a word, which was looking up at the mountains. And it's actually after the, the service, she said, I think that was for you. Um, my testimony, I became a Christian 20 and a bit years ago on a mountain in the Lake District with a, a men's walking weekend. And it was very much God showed me a path. And this is the path set out for my life. The last year, the path has been quite rough. Um, but it's... it's with all the support I've had, it's absolutely what has kept us, me going, and I know for Vic as well, was the amount of support this family has given me. Um, it was actually, I, while I was in hospital having the operation back in April, I was, I don't, hospitals are a dreadful place to get a good night's sleep. If it was on, yeah, they, they, they had very few stars for good night's sleep. Um, 
the thing that kept coming back to me, it was actually when we were, became Christians, myself and Vic, a similar time, um, we used to have something for the young people. We used to have something called Christian bookshops. Um, there used to be a very popular little poem which called, was called Footsteps or Footprints. And it was about looking back at your life and your walk with God. And I thought, it's, it was a little bit twee, but it's truthful. And actually, but looking back, and while I was in hospital, it kept coming back to me, this one, this poem. And actually, looking back over the last 12 months, it hasn't been two sets of footprints. It's been huge numbers of footprints, which is everybody here. So thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? What a fantastic time we just had. Thank you, Rich, for sharing. Um, I'll come back to that in a moment, but that was remarkable and wonderful to hear. Uh, just, uh, just a few things. Hang on. Okay. Uh, yeah, just a few. Uh, good morning. So my name's Martin, if I don't know you. Nice to see you all. Um, so before I get on, on the preach this morning, I, there's just a few more announcements. Uh, we decided we just spread them out with different people. You won't notice that there's so many this morning. The one that I've been asked to talk about is two really, but they're, they're connected. Is praise God, we are finding that Sunday mornings we are growing numerically. Uh, and we have probably, I don't know how many there are today, but we, we've averaged just over 200 over the, the Sundays uh, in the new year, which is an increase for us from what we were experiencing in 2023. Uh, we've been working with the chair louds. I don't know if you've noticed. Did you notice we lost the aisles recently? I had some complaints. I had some complaints. Uh, and so we've rejigged things. We're trying to create as much space that's comfortable, of course, for everyone, but also in order to get as many people in, which is why uh, Lois and the team are doing very well at helping people, encouraging people to come a bit closer to the front and maybe fill some of these extra seats in. Don't worry, I'm not going to get everyone to stand up and move one row in. Well, we could do that, couldn't we? No, no, we won't do that. I won't do that. I'll lose you immediately, I know, if I do that. Uh, and so thank you for working with us on that. We've also wanted to create a bit more space at the back. So after the service, when we have tea and coffee, we don't all cram in the small hall. It's hard to get 200 people comfortably in there, as I'm sure you can imagine. So we're using that hatch for the coffee. We'll open that up. It's a chance for us to connect with one another after the service. So just, just so you know, we're trying to create more space. And we're so grateful to how God's growing us. That's good news, isn't it? Yeah, so, uh, so thank you for that. Uh, connected, really, is we, we've had Kresh running uh, in the small hall for a little while uh, with sort of almost parent-led, if you like. Uh, but we really want to create a space that's dedicated to the Kresh with a team uh, that's involved in that. So we're going to be moving Kresh up to... Uh, up, it's not that high, but up to the, up to the next floor. Uh, it's been the same room as Hall 1, 2 and 3, if you're familiar with that. Uh, one of the other uh, groups of children as well. We think we can lay out the, the, school, the, the room to do that well. But we do need some volunteers. We do need some people who are willing to go on a sort of one in four rotor and help us uh, to serve our small ones. Uh, and so please, if you can consider that. Is Lois in the room or Lois has left the room? Lois has left the room. Um, so uh, if you see Ruth Matthews there, just add it to Ruth's long list. Um, uh, if, if you uh, would like to find out more about that, just grab Ruth and she'll point you in Lois's direction probably. <laughs> uh, but really wanted to give chance to give space. So we're also going to do something with the welcome area as part of that. So we're just trying to create more space for more of the family and thank you for your help in that. 
Now, um, hang on. Okay, here we go. Uh, we started a series last week called For the Love Of. It's a series that we're looking at four areas of love. Uh, last week we looked at For the Love of God. Today we're going to look at the, For the Love of Friends. Uh, the week after we're going to look, look at the love of church. And then the week after that we're going to look at the love of self. Four areas we want to unpack uh, this important area. Debbie uh, Tooth, who's uh, leading and hosting with, with Mohan today, so helpfully launched us last week. If you haven't had a chance to hear that, I encourage you to, to go back and listen to that online. Uh, but these are some of the verses she referenced. 1 John 4, 7 to 8 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's such an important verse, actually, in our Bibles. You want to, if you ever have a conversation with, with someone trying to convey, well, you know, what is God like? Who, who is God? That verse there says it. God is love. If, if we want to summarize to, to the sort of shortest sentence or shortest expression. And of course, as we know God is love, and, and, and the more we know him, the more we love one another and love others. It's like the more we connect to him, uh, the more the love of God flows through us. But very importantly, our love of God should be first and foremost above any other love. Jesus said the greatest commandment, Deuteronomy 6, he was quoting from, says this, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And so the greatest commandment is that we should love God, but also encourage to love friends, love one another, love the church, love even love yourself. What does that look like? How do we make sure that our love of friends, our love of church, our love of, of ourselves doesn't take pre, a sort of a primary position? That somehow we make friends more important than God or church even more important than God or even ourselves more important than God. And so we talked a bit about that last week, how we need to make sure that our love of God is primary and those other loves don't become, if you like, idols in our lives. But we are encouraged to love friends. And so today I want to look at for the love of friends. Now interestingly, before, uh, I, or as I was prepping for for this preacher, I thought, do I ask a couple of people to share their experiences of friendship and people who have come alongside them in a significant way uh, to express the difference friends can make in someone's life? I thought that'd be a good thing to do. Do you know who I was going to ask? Richard Andrews. Isn't that remarkable? I know that's true because I told Dawn, you know, sorry, I know it's true. No, it is true because Dawn will tell you if I was lying. That's what I'm saying. So it's just, you think, hang on a minute. Let's pause for a moment. Maybe God wants to say something to us today. So Richard, thank you so much for sharing so eloquently. And I know the, that saying about um, uh, when the, the footsteps uh, and that this army of footsteps loving you and being a friend to you, uh, I thought, wow, it was almost the preachers done. <laughs> However, I do have a few things I want to say. So, now we are said to be the most connected generation there has ever been. Yet, 
we are also said to be the most isolated and the most lonely. Maybe a combination of the lack of time to build good friendships. That may be part of it. Maybe a propensity to use social media as a substitute for genuine relationships. Maybe that's part of it. You understand what that means? It means means that we tend to do online and build friendships that way or connection that way rather than build genuine friendships, you know, with real people in the flesh, as it were. Or maybe it's the backdrop of this very strong individualistic society we live in. And maybe there's other reasons. But I would say, and many would say, that uh, although we are the most connected in so many remarkable ways, which in many cases is a huge blessing, yet we are also the most isolated and maybe even the most lonely of generations. We run a befriending service here. Uh, we celebrated Kath Cameron last week. Sharon Atkinson, sorry, get my words out, started uh, heading up uh, with Ruth Matthews the work here in the befriending service. But it does make me think, why do we even need a befriending service? It's because isolation and loneliness is something that has magnified to troubling levels. Even people who are here today, I know because we've, we've spoken, that actually through the befriending service, you've now connected with people that you now call your friends. And you've even come on Sunday mornings. So I think this is an important subject for us today, for the love of friends. I've got four things I want to land on. The first is defining friendship. The second is a bit of a friendship MOT. The third is looking at the example of Jesus and the friendship circles that he had. And the fourth, the final one is, well, what are the take-homes? How do we unpack this in our lives together? Let's first look at defining friendships. What do we mean by friendships? Now, if I were to wrestle... Uh, with what friendship friendship is and the complexities and try and distill it down to just a few short words, I think I would define it something like this. To know and to be known. True friendship is when you move beyond pretending that to be someone or something that you're not. You take off that mask and you say to the other person, here I am, this is the real me. And of course, it's reciprocal. It works both ways. A true friend accepts you as you are and actually says in return, actually, this is the real me without the mask. You're accepted and you accept that person. True friends love one another, even though we're all a little quirky. Or maybe I'm the only quirky one in the room. I don't know. I know a few of you. There's a few quirks out there. True friends accept one another. True friends celebrate one another. True friends serve one another. Dawn and I have got some great friends called Darren and Lynn Cox. I've mentioned Darren before. I, I, I must confess, when I was preparing this, it provoked me to contact Darren, uh, who lives in Great Yarmouth, I uh, used to live in Norwich, used to live in St. Nitz together when we were there. And actually, Dan and I grew up in Bedford when we went to All Nations Church. It used to be called Brickhill Church. We were even in the Boys' Brigade together. 
many, many years ago. Darren is a, he's great fun. He's a great friend. And I phoned him yesterday uh, to see how he's doing. Now, I realised, you know, I, I needed to look at Leith's I was taking this seriously. Uh, but I thought, oh, you've got to make the effort to keep those friendships strong. I remember when Dan and Lynn were in St. Neitz and Dawn and I moved from Bedford to St. Neitz. We were part of a church plant there. We, we turned up our, uh, at our home and we arrived and the person who'd leave in the house hadn't finished packing. It was, a, it was such a chaotic moment. The house was very untidy. That's a very English way of describing it. It was so grubby and so messy. The, 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 the oven was caked in, in, in whatever had been cooked over, over years. The, the garden was, they had a big dog. The garden was full of, what are they called? <laughs> Bombs, you know? Do you know somewhere? What South Africans call bombs, I think. Uh, and and, and, so, and the, the, the house was not, not much better. I remember uh, lying next to Dawn at the end of the day and both of us saying, what have we done? That's how it felt, you know, when you arrived somewhere. When we did arrive, about an hour afterwards, suddenly there was a knock on the door and our friends Dan and Lynn turned up. And, and they thought, and we thought they were just going to come by and say, hey, welcome, there's a, you know, welcome to your new home card. They saw the state the house was in and probably the state that we were in and they rolled up their sleeves and they were there for hours. Darren got into that oven and he made it like it was brand new. Now, bear in mind, he has a kitchen company. He could have told me he need, I needed a new, a new cooker. No, 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 he didn't do that. He cleaned it. Uh, uh, a few of us went to the garden and cleaned I mean, they did a remarkable job. You know when you've got real friends, don't you? when they turn up and serve you, love you, bless you in that type of way. I'm sure many here have got people they can say, actually, I've got friends like that. It's such a blessing. But I realize maybe that's not the case for all of us. I guess if I was going to summarize what, what do we mean by friendship, maybe it would be something like this. Knowing and being known, accepting and being accepted. I think that's huge, actually. That feeling accepted. The next thing says laughing and being loved. It shouldn't say laughing. It should say loving and being loved. That's a little typo there. I, I was chatting with Steve, he's on the projector. I dictated that into my... And that's what happens when you dictate sometimes. Uh, although I think there needs to be a bit of laughing as well in friendship. That would be my backup. Serving and being served, celebrating and being celebrated. Forgive the typos. Is that your experience today? Is there, is there some areas that if you're honest, you think, oh Lord, I long to have deeper friendships, more friendships. I, I really want to encourage us to be honest about what that's like today. I know for me, when I grew up, I, I grew up in Bedford, as I mentioned, I, I was in the Boys Brigade, and I had a friend in the Boys, another friend in the Boys Brigade called Winston, Winnie. Uh, Winnie was uh, great fun. We'd, we'd known each other since we were probably six or seven, and we grew up into our sort of mid-twenties to thirties as, as best friends. Winnie was the sort of guy that that you walk, everyone loved Winnie, I tell you. The girls all loved Winnie. And I remember going down, if I went down the town with Winnie, he, everyone would be greeting him. He'd be like, yeah, yo, yeah, okay. Yeah. He's like this. And honestly, it was like everybody knew Winnie. I'd go two steps behind saying, 
I'm with him. <laughs> I'm with him. He was such a good friend and such fun. And, and maybe you've got people who think, oh, I've known friendships like that. But you know, the older I've got, the harder it's become to have deep friendships in the way that I used to have when I was younger. Now, maybe this just, that's just me. I'm not a very friendly person. I don't know. Maybe it's partly because of the job I have, if you like, and, and my world. I'm not sure whether I'm a pastor or a friend sometimes. Uh, and so, so there's those things. And maybe it's because I'm a guy. And I don't, I, know, I don't want to be sexist here, ladies, and I'm not trying to discount you. But I think guys struggle with this sometimes. We struggle invest relationships and open up in the way that sometimes women are an amazing model for us. And I don't, you know, I don't, you know my, one can overgeneralize, can't one? But I saw one woman nod her head, so it, it must be true. Um, I don't know what it's like for you, honestly. Maybe this is a moment where the, the, your hearts cry for something deeper in terms of friendships. I think God's got it on his agenda as well. That's partly why I asked Richard to share. Why God asked Richard to share. Because I feel God wants to help us. Because it's a part of, of working out God's love in us. God is love. We, we love him first. However, there's so much that he wants to do in us. Okay, that was number one. Number two. Well, let's do a bit of a, an MOT. Uh, evaluating your relationships, a friendship MOT. I just got a few questions and a few scriptures just to mention. Uh, my question one is this, is, and this is a bit of a pithy question, I, I must confess. confess. Are we spending time with the right people? It's, it's not just about having friends per se. You know, it's not just about any friend is, is the best friend for you. It's, are we spending time with the right people, I wonder. Proverbs 13 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Who we walk with, who we build friendship with, makes a difference. Also in Proverbs, I don't think it's on your screen, but Proverbs 18 says this, 24, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother or sister and so there's wisdom in proverbs that i think we need to need to think about how many times have you heard or i've heard parents say about their son or daughter well they just got into the wrong crowd dot 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 or you hear it the other way around when they say, well, that, that, you know, that person or, or, or that, that friend, they're, they're a great influence on my son, my daughter, my whatever. It really matters who we spend time with, how we build friends and who we build friendships with. You know, as a pastor, one of the saddest things I've observed over the years is when people come to me, or often they don't come to me, it just happens, and you hear that someone stopped connecting with other Christians and making them their friends. They've stopped coming regularly to Sunday morning uh, or church expression, and, and they begin to drift away from, from this friendship group. And you can almost always predict what's going to happen further down the road. 
that they're, you know, although they will say, well, you don't really have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, actually, a full expression of being a Christian means being part of God's family, actively a part of God's family. So it doesn't make you a Christian, but it's part of being a Christian. Even the Bible says, keep meeting together. And so, so often, sadly, I've noticed people don't make those sorts of wise choices. And it's further down the road. You see Proverbs 13 working out. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion fool suffers harm. It doesn't mean everyone outside the church are unwise. You understand what I'm not saying. But there's something important about where we invest our time. So, where are you investing your time? Where are your priorities in how you build friendships? Next question, what makes a good friend and how can I be the best friend possible? The Apostle Paul gives us nine character traits to look out for in others and to inspire us to be like. You'll be familiar, those of you who've been around church for a while. Galatians 5 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, look at this for a list of someone to be a friend. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, man, this is a tough list, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Just wonderful. These, are, these character traits are not for the faint-hearted, but if you're looking for what sort of friend do I want to be and what sort of friend do I want to invest my time with, that's a great place, great place to focus on. And thirdly, I'd ask this question in a sort of MOT of how we're doing on friendships. Do we understand what some would call the three levels of friendships? In part of my reading, someone outlined this, which I found helpful. They talked about three levels. One, circumstantial friends. Number two, true friends, but for a season. And three, lifelong friends. So circumstantial friends are those that you connect with at work or on the playground or uh, the coffee shop or in the gym. These are, these are people that you connect with through circumstance. That's fine. They're circumstantial friends. You also get true friends, but true friends for a season. These are some friendships that may be deep and meaningful. They are true friends, but we shouldn't be surprised if for one reason or another... Life shuffles things around and they no longer are the sort of friends they once were. You know, everything is for a season. You see, if you don't recognize that some true friends are just for a season, then you find that you will not have the time and energy to create the next friendships for the new season you find yourself in. It's interesting, I've, I've, I've known this. I, I remember when Dawn and I were in St. Nitz before we came here, I remember one couple who we'd become quite close friends with. We were in the same small group. We'd met for a couple of years. Our, our kids were a similar age. I remember, I remember them saying to me uh, when we were moving to Bedford, well, I hope we're going to meet up just as often as we used to. And I didn't quite know how to answer. I thought, no, 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 I can see that our lives are going to transition to a different place we stayed in contact we still are in contact but you understand there was a sense of they were true friends but there was a season about them sometimes I've observed I, I talk to some people and I say what are you doing at the weekend and they're off to see this friend 
And then the next week, they're off to see that friend. And, and I'm, it may be perfectly wonderful and perfectly fine. Please, I'm not trying to make any judgment here. But there are, you know, if you spend your life trying to maintain friendships that you once had, you may not have space for the new friends that God has for you. And then, of course, there are the lifelong friends. These are some friendships that last the test of time and, and through the testing of challenging circumstances and the changing seasons in your life. They're amazing, but they need, it, it, it's lifelong because it, uh, it takes so much time to know those friendships and to find those friendships. But sometimes I think I'd say that we need to, if you like, prune our relational friends. We need to ask ourselves, are we... Sorry, my thing is not working. Ooh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Ooh. Okay, just bear with for a minute. I'm going to repeat page five for about ten minutes now because it's, it's stuck. <gasps> We're on. Okay. Okay. So I think it's good to review these things. Are there areas you need to strengthen in? Are there some relationships you're thinking, I'm not sure if that's blessing me. I'm not sure if that's strengthening me. Are they people that bring goodness into my life? I think it's good to ask those questions. Thirdly, I thought we'd look at the model of Jesus. Jesus had, if you like, relational circles, which, which are really helpful, really insightful. He had the 72, he had the 12, he had the 3, he had another 3, and he had a 1, just to give you where we're going. So the 72-2 was a large circle of friends. Jesus had a large circle of friends, at least 72 of them, enough that they were called his disciples. We see this in Luke 10. These were the people he sent ahead of him into villages and towns that he had planned to visit. There was a large company of people that Jesus was connected to. He also had the 12, more of a small group, if you like. These were hand-selected by Jesus. And for his entire ministry on this earth, over three years, he spent his life with these 12. They were all very different. You had Peter, who was the act now, think later sort of guy. He was a businessman, sort of a, ran his own business, a fisherman. And he was impulsive, he was fun, he made stuff happen, but often you had to sweep up after him to clear the mess behind you had Dr. Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels, and he was very precise. You just read his Gospel, you can see that there's an analytical brain that's put that together. So you've got Peter over here, you've got Luke, and then you've got John. Well, John was, was very poetic. If you read the Gospel of John, it's very creatively written. It's not like a narrative just, just telling a story. It's, it's more seeing the bigger picture all coming together. You've got these different personalities, which are all part of the twelve that Jesus connected with. Fascinating to see those different people. And then you had the inner circle, you could call it. There was three of his disciples that he was most closest to, Peter, James, and John. These were the three he asked to join him to pray on the high mountain where they witnessed Jesus' transfiguration. These three accompanied him into, into the depth of the Garden of Gethsemane. When the rest of the disciples stayed back just before Jesus was arrested. Although there was the 12, there were three that Jesus was very close to and with. Particularly in his ministry and what he was involved in day to day. But there was another three as well, you know. 
that Jesus spent a lot of time with. You could call them, the, they were kitchen table friends. I read that in one author, which I found hateful. His second inner circle was with three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These three were not part of his original 12. They were probably part of the 72, but we don't know. But Jesus felt very at home with this family. They were kitchen table friends. He could relax with them, have good food with them, even have a comfortable bed, a warm conversation. He was always welcome whenever he stopped by. I love the fact that Jesus made time for that type of friendship. And lastly, he had a best friend. Jesus had a best friend. He was called John, one of the disciples, one of the three, the first group in a circle we mentioned. In fact, John is depicted on uh, the famous painting by Leonardo da Vinci. If we can, yeah, I think that's on our screen. So John is, you see Jesus in the middle? So John is the guy on the left, just leaning away. And in fact, if you read the, the, the narrative we haven't got time. You read the narrative, you actually see Jesus talking to John about some things. Or the, the other disciples asking John questions. They ask Jesus that question. So when Jesus said, someone's going to betray me, the other disciples said to John, John, ask him who he means. You know, it's like they recognized there was a closeness that John had to Jesus. He was very close to John. Okay, so fourthly, Let's just land this, if we can. Let's, what are the take-homes? There's probably so much, and different for different people, but let me just suggest a few things for us. The first one is this. Building good friendships takes time. And my question is, are you spending time well? I realize for some of you, this, this may be a difficult sermon because you're thinking, I feel, I feel isolated. Martin, if only you knew how I feel and so I, I understand that, that that could be how some are, are feeling uh, as I speak but I'd encourage you to invest time well that's why I phoned my friend down I thought if I if I if I don't take make the effort here then then you know these things drift maybe that's something for you to consider secondly remembering that friendship is about knowing and being known so how open are you when you're with people? How, how real are you? you know, is the, does the mask really stay up? Or actually do you say, actually, this is the real me. This is the real me. I'm so grateful that Dawn and I do have some really close friends that are part of this church family that we know when we see them that the last thing we're probably going to talk about, no offense, is church. We're just going to be friends. Sometimes we do talk about church because it's a natural part of our lives. But... We're so grateful that we have friends that we can be like that with. What about accepting and being accepted? I found that challenging. I thought maybe I need a bit more grace in my life for others. Maybe that's something. Loving and being loved. Serving and being served. Celebrating and being celebrated. Thirdly, sometimes we need to prune a relational friend. <laughs> and sometimes we need to expand our friendship circles. What's right for you? C.S. Lewis put it this way when we think about the pruning. He said this, Friendship at its worst is not a bad friend, but rather when friendship becomes a God to us, where we sacrifice the things of God 
to please people. I think sometimes we need to weigh up those things. Fourthly, what relational circles do you need to invest in? Are you, do you need the kitchen table? People that you can just rock up and just be yourself. Do you need to be that, that person for someone else? Or is it another part of the circle? And fifthly and finally, just to land this. Always a good place to land. Jesus, our greatest friend. Our greatest friend. This is what the word of God says. Jesus said these words. You are my friends if, I do, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that whenever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Just please notice verse 14 and verse 17. You are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. So the greatest friend we'll ever know, the more we love him, the more we follow him, the more we will be the type of loving friends to others that he asks us to be. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together as we pray to finish. I just want to pray God's grace on us. And he's leading in our life that whatever the application that's right for you, I want to pray that God helps us in that. Because it's different. It's, you know, in a company of this size, it's so different for different people. Uh, but if there's something that's resonated with you, I just want to pray the Spirit of God helps you in that. And helps me. There's things that I feel as I prep that this has really resonated with me. Uh, in the busyness of our lives, it's so easy to forget something so fundamental. Let's pray together, shall we? Jesus, we thank you that you are the best friend we will ever know. We thank you, Jesus, that you call us your friends. We even sung that in one of the songs this morning. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you modelled friendship. You modelled it in the way you spent time with the 72 and the 12. And then these two inner circles, these two small groups, if you like, of threes, where you shared so much of yourself so honestly and so vulnerably. Lord, we do pray that we would learn from you in this, in this way. Lord, God, we don't want to make friendship something it shouldn't be. We don't want to make it an idol. We don't want to get this out of perspective. Uh, Lord, help us to make sure that our love of you is first and foremost. Yet, Lord, as we love you, as we learn more about the God who is love, we become aware of how you want us to connect and love one another. And so I pray, I pray for friendships in this room. Lord, I thank you for Richard's testimony that we heard. I thank you that he has many, many friends in this congregation. Lord, I thank you that many of us could testify that. Lord, I thank you for the many stories that each of us could tell of friendships, deep, deep loving friendships in this church family. We thank you for what a blessing that is. But Lord, I'm aware that even in this context... Uh, because of the, 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 the way life rolls sometimes, or sometimes it's the decisions we've made, or combination of both, we can find ourselves isolated and, and, and needing connection and genuine friendships. Lord, I pray for us. I pray that you would give us deep friendships in, in our lives and in this church family. Lord, I pray that as there are specific things that you know on our hearts, Lord, would you hear our hearts cry? 
Lord, if it's for that close friend that we can really open up to, Lord, help us in that. If it's uh, that, that inner group, that, that group where you can just be very close friends together and just hang out together in a way that maybe you've not been able to in the past, Lord, help us in that. Lord, wherever it might be, in, in whatever way it might be, Lord, I pray that you help us. Lord, I do pray for the guys here. I just, forgive me, ladies, I just feel I must pray for us because in my experience and my observation is we don't do this very well. So, Lord, help us to be vulnerable. Help us to invest time in these things. But, Lord, I pray for all of us. I pray that we would all have deep friendships, that your, your spirit is on. Lord, I pray you'd help us.